Welcome to Romance with a Cocktail. I'm Peter. And I'm Ashley. And she's sick. And we're still doing the podcast. And we're married. And we're married. So today we are reading our final book, Weathering Heights. Our penultimate book, really. But kind of the culmination of 50 books in 52 weeks, or our romance novels. Yes. Yeah. Because we were always going to have this be last. Mm-hmm. Right. So what do you think? Save the best for last, Weathering Heights? Um, it wasn't really a romance novel. No, it wasn't. Yeah. So it's always listed, though, right with... I thought it was. Oh, it's listed in every list of romance novels, right I mean, with Jane Eyre. I mean, if this is a romance novel, so is The Lover. Yeah, I don't find it romantic. And I can't imagine people really do. I mean, I guess in the end, there was a love story, a happy love story at the very end. Which is exactly like The Lover. Okay, this one was a little more detailed. At least they were, like, together and doing something together. I mean. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I would not say this was a romance novel in the way, like, Jane Eyre was. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Agreed. Okay, so. So, have a little sip. It's brown. Yeah, just take a sip. And it's warm. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't really taste much of it. What is it? It's uh, cranberry hot toddy. Oh, that's what that is. It's cranberry. I just mm-hmm. okay. It's got honey, cinnamon. Does it have alcohol in it? And a shot of whiskey. Just okay, so, so not a lot. I no, I overdo it. <laughs> I mean, that would not be a good it'll idea. Make it, it'll make you feel better. And it's got lime in it, so it's got a little boost of vitamin C. I mean, it's, it was, it's a great book. It's just not really romance. Oh, it's without a doubt a great book. I don't know. I mean, it's great if you like literature and you like people who are careful about their words and are very um, descriptive. I mean, it was sad and and very disturbing. Yeah. And, and there was, it's, I mean, I guess this, is this considered, this would be considered a gothic. Gotta be, right? Right? I mean, it's like got the idea of ghosts and right. darkness and the moors and everything. Yeah. So. I don't know if it's, I mean, it reminds me of like a Hawthorne novel. I think they were contemporaneous or pretty close. Mm, maybe. I don't know. I think he might have been a little earlier, right? Nathaniel Hawthorne? Yeah. He was around in the 1860s, wasn't that when this was written? Somewhere around there. This was written before um, Jane Eyre. And wasn't Jane Eyre 1848? Oh, was it? Hmm. Oh, maybe you're right. He died in 1864. So this is a similar time. So that would make sense. Mm Mm-hmm. It was published in 1847. 
Yeah, so probably contemporaneous. Because did you not read the like intro where um, Charlotte Bronte was writing about her sister's publishing works and Wuthering Heights is one of the ones that was published? I don't think my version has. Oh, okay. So it's kind of interesting because remember it's like Kerr, Acton, and something, Ellis Bell maybe? Mm -hmm. Well, and she wrote this intro to mine um, where she talked about her sisters Mm -hmm. and their publishing and the fact that this was not only one author. Because at one point people thought Wuthering Heights was like the precursor to Jane Eyre as like not quite as I guess there was a lot of criticism of Wuthering Heights when it first came out so they didn't think it was like equal to but they thought it might have been the same author as Jane Eyre Mm -hmm. but just earlier in her career and she was like setting the record straight that no Hmm. it was her sister and um I guess because I guess Emily died right like soon after she got sick and died Oh, I didn't know any of that. So yeah. Charlotte outlived her and another sister who published some poetry or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Anne, maybe. I don't remember yeah. now, but so. It was very dark. Right. It's like a, a lot about abuse. <laughs> I mean, that was. That was kind of hard to take. I'm not sure I wanted to read about a bunch of abuse. Right. I know. It's really... But just to clarify, actually, it was accepted by a publisher before Jane Eyre, but wasn't published until after Mm. Jane Eyre. But Mm. so, same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, So you thought it was a great book. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I wish I could have taken it slower. I would have read this over the course of a month, maybe. And I think it would have been better if I'd done that. I didn't really get a chance to linger with it. Yes. As someone who was rushing me to finish it tonight, I will agree that this is one, I don't know if I needed a month, but I definitely could have used two weeks, you know, like if we weren't at the end and we had, you know, well, that's why I said because we could have done it while you were not finished yet. Yeah, but I was only a couple chapters from the end. I didn't want to like wait mm-hmm. and for two chapters, but even those two chapters, I wanted to read them. Like I wanted to see, even though I already knew what happened. Yeah, I wanted to see how it came about and how it was written, mm-hmm. and there was not very much time for that yeah. since you know mm-hmm. I was rushing through yeah. it. There are a lot of words that I didn't really. No, and so I read, oh, it, yeah, on, I know. I read it on my Kindle, so I looked them up. And they're like mythological creatures and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what that is. Yeah, there was a lot of vocabulary I did not look up, but yeah. I just kept and on going. I was the, like, I understand. And then enough. they had that servant who just was impossible to understand. Yeah, it's like the kind of thing you probably have to try to read out loud and I like... Tried, but it was still... Multiple times to figure out, but I was just kind of dance. My eyes just skipped over a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mean, you said it's not a romance novel. Well, not by modern standards, I wouldn't think. I mean, I don't even. I mean, I guess there's romance in it. 
and there is the sense that there's going to be a happily ever after, but really you get the true love is Heathcliff and Catherine. Yes, but it's a very unhealthy. Yeah. So that's the real love. And that's, and so you're supposed to feel good that like at the end two like really damaged kids get married. Well, not kids, but kids of Heathcliff. And Catherine and Catherine, but Catherine and Edgar. Linton, Edgar Linton. Yeah, but she was—I mean, she was like traumatized by Heathcliff in the end of the novel, but she wasn't that damaged. Catherine too. Yeah, she. Her father was actually seemed to be a fairly good person, and then she had her, the servant mm-hmm. Nellie who took care of her. So she seemed again despite. Un- Accepting the end where she ends up like I don't know. she she ends up with both of the guys she ends up with um, the one guy who dies yeah that was the trauma like Heathcliff forced her to do that but but it wasn't like an ongoing from the time of her childhood to her adulthood that she was treated terribly and abused like Harriton and like Heathcliff himself and and even the first Kathy Catherine right so she was a little bit different right then um but yeah I don't know I mean it was just very sad Mm -hmm. like in mod in the modern world you might like go to therapy and try to address some of your issues. But in this, it was just a very dark, dark place. Yeah. There was a lot of um, sort of like falling in love. Like I've noticed that in a lot of the old books. You just sort of decide to be in love and then you're... Yeah, and you're like, why are they in love? Yeah. It's very different than... And I said that about Jane Eyre and Pride and Prejudice. It's like they just decided to be in love and then they'd be in love with each other, you know? Yeah, and you really don't know, like, why or what they see in each other or anything, but they just kind of and then you, do. And then you – there. what was really interesting was that conversation that I guess Nellie had with Catherine about, like, why she was in love. And he and she's like trying to tell her that she's wrong, and it's so weird because it's like they just decide they're in love and then they're in love, but then when it's a love directed in the way that the elders don't want it to go, they're like trying to convince them that it's not true. That it's not not true love. love, but it's like all based on like just it seems like a capricious decision, you know? Like, well, not Catherine and Heathcliff. They were, like, bonded together out of trauma. Mm-hmm. And, like, as ch- as children. Right. In a way that is a little bit different than the other loves in the book. Supposed loves. I don't know if any of them were really love. Who knows? But she and Heathcliff, I mean, they were... I mean, clearly, it was a very damaging, obsessive, dangerous idea of what love is. But she says, like, he is me, he like he is my soul and all of these things. And it was it's different than how she talked about 
Edgar or how any of the other people talked about mm-hmm. each other in the book. Yeah. Like, we didn't really even hear that from Heathcliff about Catherine. What did you say? We didn't even hear that from Heathcliff about Catherine, about, like, why or what that love was. No. It well, was just, he didn't like, talk about his feelings ever. Oh, no, clearly not. He just, like, acted up and had a lot of temper tantrums. Oh, so bad. First and foremost, do you love Mr. Edgar? Who can help it? Of course I do, she answered. Yeah. Then I put her through the following catechism. For a girl of 22, it was not injudicious. Why do you love him, Miss Cathy? Nonsense, I do. That's sufficient. By no means. You must say why. Well, because he is handsome and pleasant to be with. <laughs> Bad was my commentary. <laughs> I did. Th- I thought this was funny. <laughs> And because he is young and cheerful, bad still. (laughs) And because he loves me, indifferent coming there. And he will be rich, and I shall like to be like to be the greatest woman woman of the neighborhood. And I shall be proud of having such a husband. Oh my God, it's like so crazy. Worst of all, and now say how you will love him, as everybody loves. You're silly, Nellie. Not at all. Answer. I love the ground under his feet and the air over his head and everything he touches and every word he says. I love all his looks and all his actions and him entirely altogether. There now, and why? Nay, you're making jest of it. It is just, it is exceedingly ill-natured. It's no jest to me, said the young lady, scowling and turning her face to the fire. I'm very far from jesting, Miss Catherine, I replied. You love Mr. Edgar because he is handsome and young and cheerful and rich and he loves you. The last, however, goes for nothing. You would love him without that, probably, and with it you wouldn't unless he possessed the four former attractions. No, to be sure not. I should only pity him, hate him, perhaps, if he were ugly and a clown. (laughs) There were several other handsome, rich young men in the world, handsomer possibly and richer than he is. What should hinder you from loving them? If there be any... They are out out of my way. I've seen none like Edgar. You may see some, and he won't always be handsome and young and may not always be rich. He is now, and I have only to do with the present. I wish you would speak rationally. Well, that settles it. If you have only to do with the present, present, marry Mr. Linton. I don't want your permission for that. I shall marry him. And (laughs) you, and yet... You have not told me whether I'm right. Perfectly right, if people be right to marry only for the present. And now let us hear what you are unhappy about. Your brother will be pleased. The old lady and gentleman will not object, I think. You will escape from disorderly, comfortless home into a wealthy, respectable one. And you love Edgar, and Edgar loves you. All seems smooth and easy. Where is the obstacle? Here! Here, replied Catherine, striking one hand on her forehead and the other on her breast, in whichever place the soul lives, in my soul and in my heart, I'm convinced I'm wrong. That's, this is the closest thing to, like, an interesting passage. Like, this whole thing about her sort of being torn by society and her feelings. Because now, today, it's all about feelings, right? In today's 
world. I mean, there still is practicality. Yeah, it's more than just feeling even today. But that is primary. I mean, nobody, unless you're like coming from a country where there are arranged marriages, nobody's really thinking about deeply about compatibility anymore. It's about how how you feel when you're with a person. Nowadays. Mm, I don't know, but that's not the only thing. I mean, maybe here she's thinking like, oh, he's rich and I can be the grandest lady. Like now, I, you might not care about that because you might be like, I can be rich and I can be a grand lady without marrying a guy, this guy. Um well, for whatever the reason is, it's still feelings. It still is. Well, feelings these are, are still primary. feelings too. I mean, she's not. No, it's a. It's about marrying a rich guy. But he's also handsome yeah. and cheerful, mm-hmm. and she enjoys being around him. And I bet she really enjoyed being in their house, where it's like pleasant and nice and she saw ooh this is way better than the craziness in my mm-hmm. house like let me get out of there and yet she's in love with Heathcliff so we know it's not feelings that are like number one driving well her. not I mean different feelings than these passionate feelings I guess you're right it's just the same thing as modern times well, I, you always say that. I just don't think modern times are ruled by feelings as much to the exclusion of other things. I think there's lots of practical concerns that people have. Oh, I think and so, they too. they marry most, all the time for practical women. concerns. Yeah, mostly women. I agree. Oh, I think men, too. I don't think men often marry for money. I don't know anybody. Not money. There are other practical concerns. Maybe they want to have kids. They want to... Um, have someone take care of their house. They want to, um, you know, I don't know, have a companion. They're lonely. Hmm. Could be, but that wouldn't, having a companion wouldn't change modern and old times. You still have a companion. Yeah, it's the same. Right. So I, I'm talking about things like, Wealth and status, social status. No, you don't think, I think people marry for that now, too. Much more important back then because... Oh, yeah, I mean, there were much more strict rules. Okay. Well, I mean, I just thought it was interesting, but I guess it's not that different than today. Well, I thought it was interesting because... There's, like, no chance in which if she and Heathcliff had gotten together, it would have been a good thing. You don't think so? No. I think it might have been. He probably would have made something of himself. Would he have, but he would have just been there. He wouldn't have, where would they have gone if they were married? Wherever wherever he went and made his money. Because to your point in the, you know, back then it was social status and rules of society were very strict and it was hard. Yeah, I know. He went by himself and made a bunch of money. I know, but it would have been harder if he had a wife. Would it have been? Because then she would have been living in poverty. Yeah, I guess we didn't see where he, 
how hard he was living. I suppose he could have been living kind of hard, but I mean, maybe not. And maybe they would have been happy together. Maybe. I mean, again, isn't it really about being with your soulmate more than just being with somebody who makes your life comfortable? But, I mean, even then, it was like, I mean, they had a lot of issues. Heathcliff especially. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of issues, but so you think she was happier the way it turned out? Well, no. <laughs> she, just she just died right afterwards, after he came back. Because she, like, had a case of the nerves and... Shut herself away and okay. wasn't eating. But that was very weird, wasn't it? That she was shut herself away and wasn't eating. And they're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with her nerves? But she was also pregnant during that time. And I felt like exactly. it, did we know that? Did I just miss it? But then all of a sudden she had a baby. And I was like, I felt like no one ever mentioned that she was pregnant. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they don't make a big deal out of it, I, don't, I guess. But they did, they did say it. They did? Oh, I, I didn't so. remember. I think it's like they say things like she's showing or something like that. Yeah, I like, just didn't remember they that. They don't say but it like very. Yeah, that would be what they would do. They didn't say she's pregnant or with child or anything like that. No. They were like. Even something like she wasn't going out of the house or something because like in that time you didn't go out if you were mm -hmm. pregnant because you weren't supposed to like show yourself to people because it right. was inappropriate. Yeah. Because I missed that, like, clue. Mm -hmm. And so then she's, like, sick, 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 you know, passing out. He goes and sees her. Maybe she, she has had morning sickness. Well, it seemed more than that since she, like, didn't even get out of bed. But you're right. It could have been related. But then she saw him, and she was, she just, like, collapsed. Mm -hmm. And then she had a baby. And then she died. Mm -hmm. And it was, like... Like, yeah, Heathcliff, uh, he knew that they were meant to be together. He was saying she always thinks about him. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he knew it and she knew it. She was always thinking about him. I think they were meant to be together and sadly because of, you know, the world and, you know, some hardships that they both had to go through. They didn't, they didn't get to kindle their romance together. They did have a little bit, but then she died. <laughs> they had like a momentary embrace, you mean? <laughs> like, right. um, right. But they wouldn't have had a romance. What do you mean they wouldn't have? Like, had? even if she hadn't died, she was married. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, but then to that point, though, if you think it could have turned out right, then it seems like to your, back to your old, original statement about that being interesting and that in modern society we go by our feelings, suggests that if she had actually followed her heart, maybe life would have turned out better. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's a it's definitely a big risk because he could have just been poor, like you said. 
but he turned out to have some sort of cleverness that made him get rich, you know? Yeah. I know. And suddenly like learn like these, these men are just learning to read no problem as adults. Heathcliff did. And now Harriton is just well, picking she, it up. But he was taught. Wasn't Heathcliff he had Catholic? started school. No, yeah. but um, Harriton too was taught. Yeah, by but it's really hard to teach an adult to read. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, but yeah, he was yeah. taught, and and Heathcliff had started out having school, so I guess he, in theory, he learned some and then just put it to the side. But yeah, I mean, did it say how he? Made his money? No, it never said anything. He just appeared with money. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if he gambled for it. Because they, there's a point at which they're like, we don't know how he made his money. We th- we suspect it's ill-gotten gains. I wonder if that's what it, you're supposed to. Think. Maybe because he did like, come and is like he, and then he got the, and then he gambled for the the brother and like right. got all his money and right. all his property and stuff. So you wonder if like that was the way he did it. Maybe. I mean, there have been romance heroes who made all their money gambling. Lisa Kleypas is fond of the... The gamblers? Yeah, who become rich. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah. I, I was kind of interested because I was... Thinking to myself, I was like, "What? what is the climax of the novel? What do you think the climax is? I don't know. Kathy's death? Catherine's death? Well, no, it's te- like, technically the embrace. That's what I was going to say, but like backing up from the actual death, like that scene when they're together again, finally. And it's really their only romantic you know, that's in scene. The, that's in the beginning. And the rest of the novel is just like the effects of that. Um, well, it's not, it's more like halfway, right? I mean, it's about, I think it's probably 50% in that that happens. Um, felt like the Felt like there was a lot that happened after afterwards. Yeah, because then he just lost all right scruples. Because even in the beginning, it's the almost the end for the first few chapters. Because it's the, that's true. Whatever that guy who's just traveling in Lockwood, years, yeah, yeah, Lockwood. Um, Lockwood's like. That's ha- like, happy that he's not going to be near anybody and that they his like quiet neighbors and then by the end he's like I'm never coming back here. <laughs> it's like it's the worst. Yeah. He's like you couldn't pay me to come back to this place. <laughs> I'll pay you everything now. I just need to go. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think that felt like to me that felt like the most dramatic moment and then everything else was him like getting revenge being mean to people he was getting revenge before that he was coming back he already was i know but yeah i mean i 
and he doesn't die until the very end. So, all right. And then I guess we're supposed to think that like it all righted itself because they all died. Is that what? And and then. Kathy and Harriton end up together. Is that how we're supposed to think? It's like maybe all so. Like maybe now there's a chance for rebirth because you have these like offspring aren't they, cousins. Aren't they cousins? <laughs> aren't they first cousins? First cousins because they're he's the son of Kathy's brother, Kathy One's brother. Yeah, and she's Kathy's. Hmm. They didn't worry about such things. Um, but somehow it right, yeah, it right itself. They're off as ghosts together in some afterlife, maybe. And then because there was really no no redemption, because like in some ways he's not that different at the beginning from Rochester and Jane Eyre, but Jane Eyre he's redeemed. Heathcliff is never redeemed. Right. Exactly. But they're both kind of like those dark. I'd heroes. rather he'd gone hisslin for the doctor and I should had ten tents. Oh, the master better. I Some of the stuff I didn't even know what he was saying. And even when you say it out loud. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I just didn't even, I mean, I like at first I was trying, but then I had a lot of pages to read, so I just had to read fast. Damn thou saucy witch. It is like, so, I mean, the interactions between people, although, you know, people would probably say that, you know, in another 50 years, like, people will say that about, like, interactions in the 90s. But it just, it's, like, so the way women are talked to in the book, even though it's obviously written by a woman. Oh, and... Just the, terrible. And the women are not um, sympathetic heroes. Like, you're, like, you're so dumb. Like the women, especially young girls... I know. Like their decision making is terrible. Well, in this in this novel. Yes, exactly. I don't. I don't remember that from Jane Eyre and from Pride and Prejudice. They were like strong women. They these, were. These this was not. No, were I like agree. Just so capricious and ridiculous. I mean. Well, I told you that's my friend Mandy. She was like, I just can't stand. Um, Catherine from this book when I told her that we were reading this. Right. She's just all, like, there's nothing to recommend her in her character. She just doesn't have much character. Not how it's written. It's just, like, you want them to have, like, a, some something different. Mm -hmm. And they, no, they don't. I mean, maybe in the end, Kathy, too, does, because then she kind of sees the errors and, like, starts to reach out and teach Harriton to read and like mm -hmm. she has the closeness with Nellie and then she also in the end her most important love is her father and it's only Heathcliff's terribleness that interferes in that 
but her like commitment is to her father. You know, like she's like, no, I need to go back. I need to be with my father. And when my father tells me that I don't, he doesn't want me, like I'm going to respect that. So she had like a little more strength yeah. in her. It wasn't like super developed, but you saw like, m- at least you saw more hints of it than with the others. That's true. Yeah. I think so. I think she had a little bit more um, character. But, you know, she was sort of after the fact. She was not the protagonist. She wasn't. So. But in a weird way, she's in more of the book. Or an equal amount of the book. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was that whole scene where Linton has to go live with Heathcliff. You don't like, like that, did no, you? it was terrible. And he, everyone was like, you must try to love him as you did your mother, and then he will love you. It's like, no, he won't. He's a terrible person. Yeah, he's definitely not a romantic hero. What a shame for your mother never to wake in your final regard for me. You are my son, then I'll tell you, and your mother was a wicked slut to leave you in ignorance of the sort of father you possessed. Yep. I mean, that made it very hard to read. I was like, well, you know, I want you to be happy because you were abused, Heathcliff, but you're a terrible person. Like, he just becomes an abuser. I guess that's what this is. Like, the abused becomes an abuser. And we get to see that. I mean, I guess if, yeah. But that's not very not, romantic. Not romantic. That's what I'm wondering. Like, this is, I mean, yes, he has this obsessive love for Catherine, but it's not romantic. Right. He's, yeah, he's abused as a child and even as a young adult. Mm-hmm. And then he abuses. And he abuses on, like, an even bigger scale. Mm-hmm. He's, like, torturing his son, his own. I mean, that was his son. Yeah. And then he did to Harriton what the others did to him. Yep, exactly. So I'm not sure if there's really a lot to take about romance from this book. No, I was going to say that there's, I mean, if you're going to live happily ever after, there's going to be darkness, there's going to be sadness, there's going to be loss, there's going to be grief, there's death. There might even be ghosts. <laughs> um, and still it was the motivating force of the novel, like people's romantic interest in each other. Yeah. So even though there was all this darkness, it was the motivating force. So in that sense, (coughs) it is a romance romance novel in the sense that all the characters were, like their main motivations were romance. Or love. Like it could have been told Heathcliff goes to the city and makes a bunch of money gambling and then comes back and takes revenge and that's it. And 
just don't explore. Right. Well, and the motivating force could have just been the abuse he suffered, not the loss sure. of Catherine. But the loss of Catherine is kind of set up as the... Right. It's like her rejection of him mm-hmm. is what sets him off on this course. Yeah. And he, like, digs her up and just, like, asks her ghost to, like, haunt him. Forever. Because he misses her so much, I guess, maybe. Would you dig me up? I don't think so, because I don't really believe in ghosts. Mm -hmm. But you just need to see my face one more time. Once you're dead, you're not really in the show anymore. And I'm not sure I want my last memory to be of... Like a rotting carcass. Yeah, but Nellie asked him that, right? And he was like, it would be fine even if even if she had been rotting. He was prepared for that, but Right, but she wasn't yet. Well, he had like lost his mind. I mean he I mean, it seems like you could say that he had like maybe a mental illness. Yeah, maybe. I didn't see the moors. Was there a lot of wandering in the moors that you said that? That's, that's what I remember, remember from the book. And <laughs> I mean, the moors were in there. It's but just... I actually thought the same. I'm like, did we watch a movie? Maybe where that's in there? No, not me. I wonder if I just didn't read the book and I watched. Well, movie. there was a lot of like in the beginning. Remember, he like gets sick because he goes out. I guess into the moors. Yeah, they did because they were always walking in them. Yeah. But it was not like this drama that I, I swear I remember him being like yelling her name out in the moors. That has to be a movie. We had to have watched Wuthering Heights, the movie in high school. Because otherwise, like I don't even know if I would have thought about the moors. Yeah. It's not like it had a scene like, well, it did have scenes because he was out in the moors, right? And then, like, there were constant references to people being lost. Oh, maybe they're lost in the moors. Maybe that's where they are. Yeah. But, no, there was not that dramatic scene of him yelling her name out. Yeah. So... So it was more of a ghost story than anything else. Well, I don't know. We didn't really see her ghost. Uh, well, I mean, we don't see it, but we hear rumors about the ghosts. Yeah. Wasn't there a ghost in something else? Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre, right. Yeah. And it was the same sort of deal. It wasn't like you really saw it. You just saw the effects of the ghost. Yes, although I think in Jane Eyre there was a moment where we saw the ghost. Hmm. Maybe not. I don't think so. I think there was just a lot of screaming and, like, people rushing into each other's rooms and stuff. That's what I remember. Maybe, but I thought there... I don't know. Maybe when she was wandering in the moors, because, you know, Jane wanders in the moors, too. Mm-hmm. I lingered round them under that benign sky, watched the moths flittering among the heath and harebells. 
listened to the soft wind breathing through the grass, and wondered how anyone could ever imagine unquiet slumbers for the sleepers in that quiet earth. Last line. Yeah, pretty good. So maybe there were no ghosts. Not at the end. Because at the end, everyone was quiet. Yep. Because they were finally all dead. Mm-hmm. Because literally all of them died. Yeah, but I like JNR better. Oh, for sure. 100% for me. Yeah. Well, Jane Eyre is like a true romance. I think it still might be the most romantic book we've read. Really? I didn't know that you thought it was so Oh, I said that. I thought it was like the best. I mean, granted, it took him getting burned in a fire and like, you know, her coming back after that. Mm -hmm. But that like love that they had and then they come back when he's been brought so low and then she comes back to him and they just want to be with each other. It's the best. And that line of being with you is the same as being in solitude or being, it's like, it's so true. I think it's the best Yeah. of that, of by far. Whereas this one, as far as romance and love, it was not for, for me, it was not really pushing that button. Yeah. It, it, you, I was good. And I, I did it actually, especially like once I got into it and enjoy reading it as mm-hmm. a novel. Yeah. And I don't remember any of it from high school. Me neither. Like, literally not of it. I don't don't even think I remembered the structure with it being actually like a, you know, like the visitor learning from the housekeeper. I remember what I imagined the manor looked like. And upon rereading it, I realized I didn't read it that closely because now I picture it very differently. Oh, yeah? I guess I just pictured a mansion. yeah. I remember picturing it in my mind's eye and like thinking, oh, these people are acting so ridiculous, you know? And, but now I've read it more closely. And I guess I've seen more what English manor houses look like. So yeah. now I have a little bit, probably better idea in my mind's eye of what it really looks like. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, so. Any other thoughts? Any last thoughts on Wuthering Heights? Um, I think it's always good to read the old romance novels because I think it gives us a clue as to what our real deeper motivations are. So we, we pretty much did the same thing for thousands of years. And now we've sort of changed everything like romance and like looking for partners. And some of it's for the better. I'm not saying it's not, but I think some of it is an act that we put on to make us think that we're more civilized or rational or less desperate than we used to be. Like, you know, there's so much of the motivations about like just material comfort, you know, in these old romance novels. In modern times, we like to think we've 
transcended that, right? Yeah. We we don't worry about material possessions. Yeah. It's all about the psychic connection with your partner. And I think it just I think it I think it's an error. I think we we have to care about the material and the psychic together because we're a body and soul. That is what people are. And so I think leaning too heavily in one direction is is not good. And maybe they were leaning too heavily in the material and not cared at all about the psychic. But that's not true. You saw that the psychic connection was still But in Jane Eyre, the psychic connection seemed more important than the material. Not like this one. I I think Jane Eyre felt very different. I think it was co-equal in Jane Eyre. And I think that's the right. I think that's what it tells you. That's the right balance. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you really think in today's society that that's the right balance? I mean, in that time, like, women literally didn't have another way or very limited ways Mm -hmm. of taking care of their material needs. And now that's not true. Right. Well, it's not true in America. It's not true here. Yeah, right. So in our society, like in the society we live in, it is mostly not true. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like it may be less important. I don't know. Right. Well, I w- what I'm saying is that they in the modern novels. It seems to me that there's an over emphasis on the psychic connection, and the truth is. When you've been married for 17 years and almost 18, mm-hmm. 18 years minus one week, I think there's a lot of stuff that happens in life. I mean, childbirth is hard. Raising kids is hard. Working and making a living is hard. Caring for a sick spouse can be hard. There are like hardships. And it's great if you have a psychic connection, but there are like a million other material concerns that you do have to care about when you're married. And you need to care about both. That's all I'm saying. And the overemphasis on the psychic connection, I mean, to the exclusion of the material, okay, is an error. That's all I'm saying. And I'm saying the older, and I think we were wired this way. I think even if we know, if men know we shouldn't only care about looks and women shouldn't only care about the money-making ability of their their men, we're still sort of wired that way because of thousands of years of this is the way our species has survived. And I think we, we have to acknowledge that.
Maybe the looks part is true. And if you had made the argument about like protection, I would go with you. But I'm not sure that we're wired to think that it the man needs to make the money. I mean, I don't I don't think that's a I don't know. I, I don't think that that needs to be the hmm. concern. I, at least when you say it's women who think that, I think men also think that. But it's like a, I don't think it's thousands of years. I think it's like, hmm. I don't know. I think hmm. I disagree with you. I don't know. I haven't thought about it that much, but I think I disagree. Okay. Well, I guess we've just evolved. We're just <coughs> very sophisticated creatures in this modern society. We've moved beyond. We've transcended the material. I didn't say that. I just said I think that it's... I don't know. I think you're also diminishing it a little bit to say that that's not, what is... I'm not. I, I totally acknowledge that it's great to have a psychic connection. I just say that it's an error to overemphasize one over another. The material and the transcendent. You need to have Well, a I would say when you're thinking about both. romance, the material is much less romantic than the psychic connection. So, I mean, that's what I would say. So, I would say Danielle Steele writes nothing but rich men, apparently. And the Nam novel that we read, no, the was last an guy exception. wasn't rich. Was an exception. Oh, oh because like you read she, that somewhere. It was, it was critically panned because she went away from her sort of archetypal. But that was like 1992, so I'm sure she went far. She's rich. gone far away from it now. I'm sure she has all different maybe classes. Maybe. She has written three a year for like 50 years. And it, your favorite modern novel we've read, neither of them were rich. And it had to be a joint effort to provide material comfort, not the man doing it or the woman. You talking about Georgia Long? He was a provider and he was a hard worker. That's all that matters. Mm. He was a provider and he had like a very homey place. Oh, yeah, because he had, like, redone his house. Right. But he wasn't, like, Hmm. he wasn't rich, and he wasn't just, he needed to have a job. It's not all about money. It's about providing. It's about security. It's about about providing. I mean, you you can deny it all you want. You can say that you've transcended it, but I'm also a partner in this relationship, and I know that that's important to you. But it's not as important. <laughs> it's not as... I'm not saying... It's, yes, you said it should be co-equal. I do. I do think that the exclusion of a material component to a relationship is is an error. Like, I think you need to have both. Absolutely. Right, but they don't need to be equal. I think they just both need to, you you have to have a strong connection on both levels. Hmm. I mean, they can't be equal because they're not the same thing, but you need, both of them need to operate in a relationship 
for it, the relationship to grow and thrive, I think. That's my opinion. I really haven't seen it where it, where it's been able to work. I mean, I guess you can have no connection and you can sort of learn to love the person. I, I suppose, in fact, I think probably material, it's more likely that oh, you can make it work with if you have the right compatibility metrics. Look at, look <coughs> at arranged marriages. They have a better success rate than psychic connection marriages. It's true. It's true. Look it up. I would be interested in how they're determining that. See, in the in Wuthering Heights and like all these old novels, they just decide they're going to love somebody and then they love somebody. I think that's actually how it works. I think you decide. Yes, you. I know you've always said that. That is very unromantic. Well, and Heathcliff and Catherine did not just decide they were going to love each other. They were like, I'm not taking, I'm not taking away free will. I mean, I'm not one of these people who say we're we're a mixture of chemicals and we have no free will and we're just. We're, so you don't believe in fated mates? Oh, I believe in free will. But but there's a. It's not just deciding. It's that they're meant to be with each other. It's more than just a practical decision. So you don't believe? You just said they're soulmates. They should have tried to be together. Yet now you're saying, like, it's a choice. Well, she made a choice, and that choice led to lots and lots of heartbreak. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I think at some point there is a choice that is made. Okay, that I believe, because you could ignore. Your fate? Yeah. Your feelings, your... right. Your connection with someone, you could right. you could walk away from it. I mean, they did. Of course, they couldn't really. I'm not sure if I believe in fate or not. I mean, I guess I believe God has a plan. I'm not sure I believe. I, what is fate? I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know either. But fated mates, like as in you're supposed to be with that person. It's like the hallmark of so much of romance novels. Yeah, I do think you're supposed to be with who you're with. Yeah, so then it's more than a choice. It's not just a choice. It's hmm. there's something know. bigger than just us making a choice. So there's no choice. So No, I'm not saying we there's no choice. Be together. No, we could have chosen potentially, if you believe in free will, we could have chosen not to be together. We could have walked away from each other. Right. But it's something more than just making the choice. The choice isn't the only thing. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not sure what fate is. I, I haven't really hmm. decided if I believe in fate or not. I believe in a penetrating moral arrow of creation. <laughs> We're going far, far from... And so if if that arrow is pointing me in a direction that means being together with my partner, then I do believe that probably there is some 
So you, we've read 49 romance novels because, yes, we did discover that we're actually only at 49, not 50, because Anna Karenina took three weeks. But um, we've read 49 romance novels. Mm-hmm. And you think that the romance is a choice in all. It's not like they're not meant. These aren't soulmates. These aren't people who are meant to be together. These are just like choices that people make to be together. I think that there is such a thing as soulmates. I think that it's kind of rare when people find their soulmate. I think I know of plenty of marriages that are pretty unhappy. Well, yeah, we're not talking about those. We're not marriage isn't the same and as they'll soulmates. They'll probably be together their whole life, but they'll just probably be sort of unhappy. But that's not the same as being married to your soulmate. I agree. That's so not the what same. What I'm as... saying is, like, so if I believe in soul, I, I mean, it's a real loaded question because if I believe in soulmates, then I then I have to accept that some people will never find their soulmate. Like most people, they might not. Most people won't. That's why people read romance. Yeah. They want to believe that oh, yeah. people will. I know that there are some of them that are just made for, you know. What? De- desperate housewives. <laughs> you keep saying that. That is not who true. just are locked into a marriage they're not real happy in. And they can imagine, what if I could travel in time? Okay, just Outlander. Just to like, the Middle you know, Ages. And I could just sleep with a young Scotsman who takes me <laughs> around and just ravishes me out in open campsites. Oh, it would be so beautiful. Okay, that was one book that I question whether it's really even a romance or not. <laughs> saying. I think that's who's reading that. It's one of 49. Mm-hmm. All right, well. Well, next week, uh, Delta Venus. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. So excited. Have you read it? Yeah. Oh, I haven't. I read it as uh, an adolescent. I stole it from my mother's drawer. What? It's probably affected my understanding of sex the rest of my life. I probably have all sorts of baggage from reading that at too young of age well probably not the target audience in your initial reading of it i I rather enjoyed it as a 12 year old boy what (laughs) just think we have a 12 year old boy could you imagine reading something like that no i like to not you know that (laughs) okay so next week delta of venus a bonus episode bonus episode